Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the Prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a new territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done as God ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the Word of God in a prophetic way under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to when he would have me to speak to the listeners, you, his sons and daughters. It's also purpose to invoke open and honest conversation on the things that many people, especially Christians, don't want to talk about, which is racism in the body of Christ. I pray that God will use this podcast to enable us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room that for too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep under the rug. You can help and support this podcast by telling your friends, families, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server through this title. You can also help and support this ministry through your love and prayers. You can reach me with questions and comments by email at amyeagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I-T-E-E-A-G-L-E at C-H-A-R-T-E-R dot net. And finally, you can always reach me at my website at thevoiceoftheprophet.strikingly.com. And remember, if for some reason the podcast doesn't come through or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. Hello and welcome to part two of It's in the Church or... Who's really going to hell? Last week, I shared with you the news article I read concerning the priest who has been removed for causing division in the church he was presiding over. This priest, James Altman, made a YouTube video telling the people that if they were Democrats or supported Democrats, that they would burn in hell. However, I shared with you concerning God's word as to who will truly go to hell. But this week, let's go up bit further into the book of Revelations as to see who will see those fires and experience this eternal separation from God. Chapter 21 and 8, the Amplified Version reads, but as for the cowards and unbelieving and abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality and murderers and sorcerers with intoxicating drugs and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions and all the liars who knowingly deceive and twist truth, their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Look and listen, my sisters and brothers, 
is those who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality who will have their part in hell. It's those who twist truth and knowingly deceive who will end up in the lake of fire. I can name quite a few Republicans, along with the former Republican president, who quite adequately fit that category. It says all liars, those who knowingly deceive and twist truth. Let's be honest. I would dare say that in that case, I don't know of any politician, Democrat, Republican, or Independent, that will enter into the kingdom of heaven. When I vote, I vote much the way I pay my taxes so that I will have a say, no matter how small it may be, in what decisions are made in this nation. Does that mean that I support one party over another? Not at all. When I began this podcast, several people withdrew their support from me. In other words, they stopped the financial contributions that they had consistently given me in the past. It was their way of saying they were no longer supporting me because I didn't stand for or accept what they stood for politically. I could say it was their way of chastising me or correcting me to let me know that I was out of their will. It was their decision. They withdrew their support because of my personal beliefs not my Christian stand, but how I chose to openly say what I believed in opposition to their political views. They removed their support, not because I don't believe in God or that I lie, or even because I fell in sin. It wasn't because of my morals, integrity, or character, but because I chose to publicly say that I did not support Donald Trump and the lies that he perpetrated. My personal views would never have been expressed publicly had it not been for the death of George Floyd, which then brought about a chain of events and comments on Facebook and personal phone conversations. I thank our Father that every statement and comment I made were those that I can continue to stand behind and can say without hesitation that they were in no way things that I shouldn't have spoken or that I should be ashamed of. My morals, honor, and integrity remain intact. Many, many churches and denominations took the stand that if you weren't Republican and supported Donald Trump, that you were for abortion. Never mind the lying, adultery, immorality, lack of integrity, and all the rest that's seen in the character of this man. It's the same way that I could easily say that if you are Republican, that you're racist, prejudiced, and a white supremacist. Obviously, I know better, and I would never feel that way, but apparently others don't. They don't feel that everyone should have a right to their own opinions in the way that they believe and practice the word of God. I would never support abortion the same way I would never support white supremacy or racism in any form or way. To support something or someone 
is to give aid in helping them to continue or stand in their agendas. As for that matter, I do not and will not give support to any political organization. My support, tithe, and offerings go to God. When I left the church that I no longer felt that I was to be a part of, I never withdrew my tithe and offerings to God. What I committed to him, I continued to give him through a covenant church. As hurt and as disappointed as I was through what I considered to be a lack of support for the black members of their congregation by the pastors that I had served faithfully for years, I continued in my giving. Although I felt the covenant with my pastors had been broken, I never stopped realizing that my covenant with God was, is, and always will be with God. But let's move on. I saw someone post something on Facebook last week, which is the second thing that I wanted to share with you. It reads as follows. When I was in seventh grade, our teacher put on a video and told us to take notes. Ten minutes in, she threw the lights on and shouted at Stephen Webb Slatke, telling him he wasn't taking notes and he should have been. But the thing was, Steve was taking notes. I saw it. We all saw it. The teacher asked if anyone wanted to stand up for Steve. A few of us choked out some words of defense, but were immediately squashed. Quickly, we were all very silent. Steve was sent to the principal's office. The teacher came back in the room and said something like, see how easy that was? We were reading and Frank. I started to understand. The Facebook writer ended the story by saying, I just thought now was a good time to share this story. Don't ever let anyone tell you that what you see with your own eyes isn't happening. That was the end of the post. Just as these young students were too intimidated by their teacher to say, no, you're wrong. So many in the body of Christ have been too intimidated by their pastors, prophets, and leadership to stand up to them and say that they're wrong for fear of being ostracized and separated from the fold. They won't say these leaders are wrong because they're afraid to challenge someone who they feel or think knows more than they do. And because they've been sheep so long, all they know how to do is follow even when following is wrong. Many pastors and leaders won't say what's true because they don't want to lose the financial support from those who are sitting right there in their congregations who they know are racist or white supremacist. I met a young man last week who's one of the pastors at City Church of New Orleans. We had the opportunity to chat just for a short while and exchange business cards. Of course, he asked me where I fellowshiped, and I told him presently nowhere. Briefly, I mentioned the separation I had experienced, like others throughout this nation, not because of COVID, but because of the politics and racism that has been exposed in many interracial churches after the death of George Floyd and the past election. 
He later texted me with a YouTube link to hear a discussion with two of his white pastors, along with other black pastors and members of City Church of New Orleans. It was good. And in actuality, it was along the lines of what I had hoped for three years ago when I first asked my then pastor if our church could have an open exchange on racism, possibly bringing some outside leaders versed and anointed for this type of conversation with all of the members to which, to which he immediately responded, no. However, in the discussion at City Church, I won't use names because I didn't get permission in time enough for this episode. I will share with you a couple of the things that were said. While discussing racism and the indifference of many whites to the suffering that blacks endure through racism, one of the black pastors made the following comment. If a person who cares for someone else can't hear the cries of your brothers and listen to their cry and ask, why are they crying? I may not understand why you're crying, but because I care about you, I am listening with the intent to understand, so I'm going to educate myself on your history. As I stated in a previous podcast, when a person won't listen to another person's reason for their pain, it's like telling them to shut up because their pain, literally how they feel, is not important. Another pastor in that same YouTube video said, we can sit in the same church together, but not know your pain. We need to go through the healing process together. The discussion continued with yet a third pastor referencing a conversation he had with someone in which they said to him, there is more to discover. I'm assuming she meant about him. Although, I am in close proximity to you. To that, he responded with these three things. Sincerely respond, honestly access, and prayerfully engage. The understanding is that we all, as individuals, cultures, and races, have experiences, but they are not always with the same results. Everyone experiences Christmas holidays, but everyone doesn't enjoy them. Many people marry, but not all marriages are good. All of our experiences, no matter how intended, will not end the same as everyone else's. As many of you know, I was diagnosed with RA, rheumatoid arthritis, many years ago. Although it's under control, During flares, it can be extremely painful for weeks, maybe even months at a time. During one of my visits to New York, someone blessed me with a massage. Most people love massages and truly look forward to them. However, without realizing it, I was in the very early beginnings of a flare. It caused my massage to be one of the most painful and miserable experiences I've ever had. And the more I told the masseuse that she was hurting me and that I was uncomfortable, the deeper she delved into my joints. I haven't had or wanted another massage since. The same encounter that many have experienced, enjoyed, and looked forward to, for me, The results 
were entirely different with negative effects. That masseuse made decisions that affected my body personally without truly listening to what I was saying or what was in my best interest. And so it is with all pastors, prophets, teachers, and leaders. Decisions that pastors make can have definite, strong, and sometimes detrimental effects on their congregations. In 2 Samuel 24 and again in 1 Chronicles 21, the account of David numbering the people is given. As the king, he gave the command to take a census of his fighting men so he could see where his strength was. This decision angered God and he sent a plague which killed 70,000 people. That's a small amount in today's comparison, but considering that at that time there were only about 3 million people, 70,000 was a huge number. David realized his sin and repented before God and made an offering. However, what needs to be noted is that when David gave the command, he committed the sin as king. In 2 Samuel 24, verse 2, it says the king commanded Joab to go and number the fighting men. Yet, when he repented in the 17th verse, it reads, David said to God, was it not I who ordered the fighting men to be counted? I, the shepherd, have sinned and done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Lord, my God, let your hand fall on me and my family, but do not let this plague remain on your people. David sinned as the king, but repented as the shepherd. He humbled himself and came back to the realization as to who and what he was in regards to the people of God. He came to an awareness that his own personal motives and agendas had brought God's wrath upon those that he was responsible for protecting. Pastors are committing sin when they rise up in this pride and arrogance, wanting to show their strength and power with the people. Too many would rather agree with false prophets to look great before their congregations than to be honest, truthful, and humble before them. But in the end, it's the sheep, the men and women of their congregations, who the sin of arrogance falls on. It's the sheep those who have followed blindly, who in the end received the consequences of those poor and wrong decisions. It's those who believe all that they are being told from the pulpits that end up with thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that God never intended them to have. And it's those same sheep who will be the ones to follow those pastors and leaders to hell. And of course, I could not make that statement without sharing one of my favorite stories from the Reverend R.W. Shambach. If I remember correctly, Reverend Shambach told the story of a friend of his who had a vision of hell. In the vision, his friend looked down into hell and saw a man who had been condemned to that place. The man in hell was going from one boiling lava pit to another, reaching into each one, pulling someone out, looking at them, and then throwing them back in. As the condemned man continued to do this, the friend who was having the vision called out to him and said, Who are you looking for? 
The condemned man looked up at him and said, I'm looking for the pastor who caused me to be in this place. Unfortunately, there will be those in hell looking for the pastors and leaders who didn't give them the truth, but rather lies that also caused them to hate and lie. They will look for the pastors who were devoid of character and personal integrity, those who knowingly deceived and twisted truth, who caused them to miss the kingdom of heaven and have their part in the lake of fire. These are the people who are really going to hell. Again, if my covenant is with God, then I don't and won't bow down to people. I will not be afraid of others withdrawing support or even their love and friendship from me. Don't be afraid of speaking up when you know that a thing is not as it should be. However, if you don't know God for yourself, if you don't know his voice and his word for yourself, you'll never know when what someone else is saying is not of God. Speak up. Stand up. If you have a pastor or a leader that's in error, that's preaching and teaching their own political agendas, then say something. Don't be like the children in the story who wouldn't speak up when they saw their classmate being falsely accused. For the pastors, prophets, and leaders, when you see bigotry, racism, and white supremacy in the body of Christ, stand up to it. Speak out against it and don't be a part of the lies, making excuses and turning a blind eye. When you lie, you lie and God hates a lie. There's no such thing as a little white lie. Don't cause yourself and others to be condemned to hell because you knowingly deceive and twist the truth. You won't stand up against racism if you don't understand what racism is. I admonish you to talk about it with those who are not of your own race. Have open, ongoing discussions, not a one-time thing, but ongoing, even if monthly times need to be set, depending on how much and how deep the racism goes in your church. Don't allow yourself to be so intimidated by others no matter what their position in the church may be, no matter how great their tithe may be, to keep you from being a man or woman of character, honor, integrity, and morality. As I stated earlier, several withdrew their financial support from me, but God has never left me nor forsaken me. If I had to choose, I choose God hands down every day. Don't be a part and support the lies that will cause you to have your part in the lake of fire. Don't be the pastor that someone is looking for in hell. Don't be the pastor who's the reason that others will experience the worst thing about hell, being separated from God for all eternity. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. 
Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.